Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we're back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 432, and we're recording live on uh, September the 17th. Abriana, how are you this week? I am doing good. Um, catching up after a fun little trip last week and, um, yeah, just, you know, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm, uh, I made it three last week, so it was good to see you in my city in Toronto. Yeah. Um, that was fun. And, uh, yeah, I, f- I feel like we got a ton done last week and it was a busy week, but, uh, yeah, uh, moving forward and, um, you know, we've got uh, Retail Loco just around the corner, so that's kind of top of mind right now, October 21-22 in your city, Atlanta. And uh, right after that, uh, we're also deep in the, the planning for on the 25th, same week on the Friday, uh, we have a big conference going on at the LVMA operations in Tokyo, Japan. Um, so lots going on for that. So that's kind of the two big things happening. We also have a webinar, uh, coming up, uh, next week with Reveal Mobile. Uh, you can find out details about that on all our social media channels and whatnot. So lots happening. Busy times. Lots of traveling for you coming up, huh? Yeah. So it's good. I've had this kind of like, I've been home for the most part, like for like this whole summer pretty much. So that's kind of good. And, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's starting up now. So, cool. There you go. Well, so it was a good show this week. I'll let you kick it off. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories, and we do have a guest this week, as I said. So uh, last week. So there you go. Well, speaking of traveling, um, we have a U.S.-based company that is traveling back to Europe. Uh, with some of their products. Um, so Factual had pulled some of their products for a little while when GDPR came into play. Um, and they kind of have solved their issues. It seems like they've um, you know, made sure that everything they're doing in terms of data capturing and um, you know, all of their uh, data is in compliance and, and um, compliance with GDPR specifically. So there were three different products, I think, that they, um, that they had to pull out of out of Europe uh, back last year. It was the audience targeting, the measurement, and then the insights products. So um, they kind of determined that the historical data sourcing that they were using at that time was not GDPR compliant, had to kind of uh, refresh some of their methodology, and um, and now they are headed back over there. So they are um, also touting that you know there were some products that were not affected by GDPR that kind of remained um, as offerings in Europe, which included proximity targeting, uh, location engine, and their places data, uh, which many companies use inside of their tech stack. Um, and they are still touting 300 million monthly active users uh, that they are generating data from with ingesting data from um, around the world on a monthly basis. So. Um, you know, it's interesting because we've heard a lot of stories of, of customers um, or clients or uh, tech, you know, tech companies that have been pulling out of Europe because of GDPR compliance issues. And now we're seeing somebody kind of head back in there. 
So I think that's kind of like, you know, telling for the industry that, that things are changing and we are figuring out better ways to do things, um, you know, as a whole and um, that technology is evolving and it doesn't have to be um, privacy invasion or creepy, but it can still be useful. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see that companies are still, you know, able to operate all across the world. So there you go. Yeah, you know, I, for, for me, this is interesting, right? I mean, we've talked uh, a number of times about different uh, mature players in our industry um, launching new platforms or different things. And I, and I think that, you know, GDPR is something that has affected many of our, our member companies and many uh, players in the location uh, data space. And I think it, it could change yet again, right? We're hearing about uh, all sorts of uh, push for even stricter rules right now uh, coming down the pipeline. But, um, you know, I, I think several companies, you know, had, you know, folded completely when, when GDPR came into effect. Some pulled out of the market, uh, as is the case here with Factual and, 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 you know, some of them are, you know, have re-architected and are going back. And, and so I think it's one of those things where, you know, this sort of um, bigger picture view of moving away from the individual targeting and the individual uh, tracking to more of this sort of audience-based segmentation view of how we want to leverage location data is interesting. And it, it, it'll play nicely into another story we have a little, little bit later on about what Apple is doing with their latest announcement. But, but I think that, um, you know, there's... Uh, you know, I applaud these guys, I guess, for, for being persistent, not completely giving up, you know, taking the time to go and uh, reinvest in their platform, re-architect and, and come back. Um, so I give them full credit for that because I think, you know, some some companies have just walked right away, right? Um, just, you know, financially couldn't make it work. Um, so we'll see. They've appointed a new um, uh, leader over in the market there, Ross Webster, as the managing director for Europe. Uh, he comes from uh, the IBM Watson Group uh, weather company, um, so lots of experience there in, in, in data partnerships and whatnot in, in Europe. So um, I think that's that's a good fit as well, and and we'll kind of you know see how it plays out. But uh, good for these guys, right? I mean, for kind of hanging in there and making it work. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right, on to our uh, second story. So over to China now, uh, where WeChat has released a new facial recognition payment platform. It's called Frog Pro. They released this just a few weeks ago. Excuse me. Wow, tired. Wow, where did that come from? Um, anyways, um, yeah. Uh, so they announced this thing at the... Chongying Smart China Expo uh, a couple weeks ago. It's a, so it's a point of sale uh, machine using facial recognition. It's a two-sided screen, um, and uh, you know we've seen a bunch of these moves. And and the interesting thing for me is, while China is gone completely, uh, you know, forward in kind of using facial recognition everywhere and anywhere, pretty much. Uh, you know, you see almost the exact opposite in, in the U.S. and in North American markets. Like San Francisco, uh, as a city, has banned facial recognition completely. Um, so it's really fascinating to me to see kind of the differences globally in the acceptance of a technology like this. And yet you've got on your iPhone, you know, you've got Face ID and you've got all these kinds of things happening. So, you know, 
I'm I'm of the camp. I'm in the camp where I think facial recognition is, you know, just a necessary evil. I think it does make uh, things a lot more convenient in many many cases. Um, I think people are being tracked anyways. So you know, I'm, I'm like I'm fully in that you know sort of side of the equation. Um, you know, and the reality is, is you know, there's lots of government systems out there. There's lots of cameras on the streets. There's lots of things happening. So I think it's difficult to say that um, you know we're gonna we're gonna block it in one area and not in another. Anyways, so WeChat's launched this new platform. It's really oriented around payments uh, efficiency. So think of restaurants, think of quick serve, think of you walk into a McDonald's and you got those touch screen ordering kiosk things, but building you know facial recognition based uh, payments uh, into that, and also loyalty too, right? So if you walk up and the the screen recognizes you knows your order it can maybe pre-populate um you know with your your normal order that kind of thing and then you can like you know make uh, just the the incremental changes on the fly and then facilitate your payment directly through in this case integration to your wechat uh, account so that's really what it's all about uh you know for 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 this particular announcement is the is the payment piece and wechat still is number one in payments in the market 600 million users in China uh, are using WeChat payments already. And that's in contrast to Alipay, the number two, which is at uh, 400 million. So that's a lot of people, but it's China. <laughs> it is a lot of people. Um, I have a slightly different perspective. Uh, I don't love facial recognition, but what I do think is, um, is a viable way of using it is through, um, like an Apple API, for example. So Apple Pay currently you use with your phone or your watch when, you know, and it's obviously just a transaction that's done right there, mm -hmm. um, you know, at the point of sale. But if it was facial recognition where it was Apple Pay initiating the facial recognition, then it would be different than um, the point of sale doing it or, you know, so if that data is only strictly passed to Apple, then, then I think that it gives the consumer a lot more, um, I don't know, com comfort with, with the whole process, right? But I think that whenever the, the facial recognition goes to, you know, a QSR or whoever else that it may be, then I think it gets a little bit problematic um, until it's initiated by the consumer. So for me, I think that whether it's happening or not currently, um, I think that there has to be like some uh, stipulation with who's getting the information and who has the data and access to the data, um, and then particularly how that's used. So um, I think it's in a market like China, it completely makes sense. Um, you know, if you have any type of like creepy tracking software, that is where you should launch. Um, but, you know, when it comes to something that you're trying to scale from a global perspective, I don't know that that's going to be viable. <laughs> so, fair point. Yeah, there you go. Um, so if you're in China and you're using WeChat uh, Pay and uh, this new uh, Frog Pro, as it's called, uh, for facial recognition payments, and you're listening to this, reach out. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you're using it and uh, what the experience is like. I'm interested. Is it called Fraud Pro or Frog? Frog, like like like, like Ribbit. 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 Okay. Yeah, like Kermit. I'm like, why would they name it Fraud Pro? It would be like Fraud Prevention, maybe. No, it's, it's the Frog Pro. 
All right, all right. Frog there, pro, there we go. All right, so um, I'm bringing it here to Atlanta with this next story, and this is sort of um, a few different players have partnered up together with something called the Curiosity Lab, and this is like in this neighborhood right down the street from me right now in the area called Peachtree Corners. Um, it's a suburb of Atlanta, and that's where my office is as well, and um, this, um, this innovation lab, if you will, um, Curiosity Lab has teamed up with Georgia Tech and Delta, and what they're working on is, um, well, it's a it's a Curiosity Lab, but they're focused mostly on 5G autonomous vehicles um, and smart city living. So it's like a laboratory or an outdoor laboratory, if you will, because they've got about I think it's um, a mile a mile and a half of autonomous vehicle test track and like this living laboratory that they've put together. Um, so, you know, Georgia obviously wants to continue to be at the forefront of this type of testing. You've got um, a lot of initiatives from AT&T here with their smart city and, you know, all the initiatives they're doing from um, a carrier perspective. And then you've obviously got Delta, um, you know, who has tons of uh, customers, but more importantly, tons of employees uh, on a global level. And if you think about things like moving um, suitcases and, and uh, you know, equipment across the airport, this is something they're probably thinking about in terms of uh, being more efficient, cutting expenses, uh, which also makes you kind of wonder like, well, what's going to happen with everybody's jobs that are here when this stuff is effective and working? Um, but, you know, they're really dedicated to different features like fiber, smart poles, network operations center. Um, so it's all IoT sort of driven and focused. And, um, and obviously Georgia Tech has lots of research that they, that they do and they're you know, wanting to provide more of that. Um, and so it's going to help provide some seed funding for Georgia Tech researchers as well. Uh, so it's an interesting blend of things and, and things that they'll be testing. And I, you know, I expect that we'll be hearing more about this, you know, maybe at some point uh, when they're a little further along at the next Atlanta Retail Loco, we can have somebody come and speak about this and kind of share what they've been doing, what they've been up to. Um, but, you know, this is definitely something that uh, the city has a lot of, I think, investment in. Um, the companies that are that are rooted here in Atlanta and headquartered here have a lot of investment in. I mean, you've got um, Porsche North America, you've got Mercedes-Benz North America that have all located their headquarters here now. Um, and so, you know, there's just a lot of movement in that space. And so kind of bringing those things together and having a test bed for it is, is a great opportunity. And um, you know, Atlanta, obviously, with the international airport, it's easy, it's accessible. And, you know, I think that we're going to be hearing more and more of these things popping up. So. Cool. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to this, but but I, I will say that, uh, you know, autonomous vehicles seems to be uh, popping up regularly on our radar these days. We're seeing a lot of our members from here, uh, you know, uh, technologies and, and, and Glimpse and others, you know, we're all sort of playing in this space in different ways. And, and I think that, um, you know, it's interesting when you think about it from the IoT sensor side of things, a lot of our companies, even in, in kind of the um, indoor location and, and RFID side of things are starting to find their ways into vehicles as well. Um, so, you know, you, there's been lots of guys adapting sensors into ODBC drivers. There's been, um, you know, interesting ways to kind of marry uh, marketing causes against, uh, you know, real-time sensors coming off of vehicles. So, for example, up here in Canada, 
there's Rogers, who's one of the big mobile operators, uh, has been testing solutions where they have access to sensors in the vehicle, like tire pressure monitoring and, and wear and things like that. And so they can see, okay, the tires are, you know, close to their life uh, span. And we see you're near a tire uh, shop right now. Here's an offer to go in and get a new set, you know, uh, as you're around the corner. And, and we can tell that, uh, you know, you're going to need that shortly. Like all those kinds of things that where we can pull data from the vehicle um, and then use that data to uh, inform the driving of the vehicle or inform uh, the opportunity to provide services to the operator of that vehicle. Um, I think there, there's lots going on there. And so we're seeing a lot of overlap, I would say, within the member base. But yeah, this is super cool and fascinating. You know, while it's still early, as you say, you know, maybe next year we can have these guys come talk at Retail Loco. But maybe, maybe they, maybe they can even come hang out this year and kind of, you know, network a little bit and share with us uh, kind of what they're doing. So that would be fun. All right. So that's our three industry news stories for this week. Um, before we get into the member news, uh, I had a chance to sit down earlier uh, with a, our, our special guest for this week. His name is Kip Jones, a guy that Brianna and I have known for a long time. He's, he lives in Atlanta as well, uh, and he is um, an evangelist. Uh, I love I love people who are called evangelists. An evangelist for uh, Skyhook, a great LBMA member company, doing uh, a lot of work around um, Wi-Fi location data and things like that. And uh, had a chance to talk about what they're doing and where they're going and all of that. So. Without any further ado, here he is, Kip Jones from Skyhook. All right, I'm excited because we have a guest on our show this week, and his name is Kip Jones. He's the chief, uh, chief technology evangelist uh, for a company called Skyhook, which is a uh, company uh, that's been a longtime part of our industry and uh, a new member of the LBMA. So, Kip, welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It's good to be part of the official membership now so. yeah yeah um you know you you're you've you've kind of been like a distant cousin uh for for a while but uh <laughs> now you're in the family so there you go uh i like yeah, it. yeah. Uh, little electron just uh circling around we decided to join the the nucleus so there you go there you go so um i i mean i People who watch our show, who listen to our show, obviously are, uh, you know, following the location-based uh, services and marketing industry. Um, I, I'm sure there's a good chunk of them who've, you know, worked with you, know who you guys are. But maybe for for those who don't, uh, you know, who is Skyhook? Uh, you know, give us a little background on the company, what you do, how long you've been around, all that. Sure. Yeah. Well, we've been around a long time. So 2003, we were founded. Um, the way I think about us uh, is we, we know where a lot of things are, um, devices, people, um, pets, you name it. Um, we uh, started in 2003 to do uh, positioning for devices, so um, really focused on Wi-Fi positioning, uh, the ability to position any device that has Wi-Fi anywhere around the globe. So that's uh, has been uh, and continues to be a big piece of Skyhook. Um, so you can really think of us as sort of two pieces. One, which is knowing and um, figuring out where devices are on behalf of those devices and the people that use them. Um, and the other is all of the location data that results from that. Um, and uh, so because of that, we have 
like I said, we know where lots of things are. Uh, we know how things move, um, whether it's people or, um, you know, from the Internet of Things side of things. Side of things. Um, so that's really the, the, uh, the focus, and it's always been focused on uh, precision location uh, and knowing how to compute that and how to use that. And you guys are global in your, in your scope and in, in, in the data that you collect in your reach? Absolutely. We, uh, on a daily basis, we see uh, devices in a couple hundred countries. Uh, we have a database of over 5 billion Wi-Fi access points geolocated, a couple hundred million cell IDs uh, around the globe, um, everything from uh, CDMA, GSM, LTE, uh, starting to pick up um, the 5Gs as they roll in, and also the low-power wide area networks, LP1 um, networks out there all of which help us position different devices based on the radius that they have. Very good. Uh, and, and you guys are part of Liberty Broadband, which is kind of a much bigger holding company with other companies involved? Indeed, we are, we are owned by them. Um, they are a, a, a good uh, shepherd for us. So they, like you, you mentioned, we have a number of different uh, properties from uh, Chartered Cable, SiriusXM, uh, Expedia, um, it's a um, fairly large conglomerate, uh, and so we do have some opportunities with a number of our, our siblings, um, although we are a little tiny sibling compared to most of those. <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, well, um, now that we kind of have a, a baseline for kind of who you guys are and what you do, I mean, maybe give us uh, some context for you know, how customers uh, have been able to kind of work with you and leverage the data that you have, um, you know, either domestically or, or internationally, uh, if you can kind of give us some idea of, you know, uh, some actual use cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll focus mostly um, for purposes of this on, on exactly that, on the, how we use the data as opposed to how we produce the data. Um, okay. So the... Um, uh, you know, I think the, the, the traditional uh, use cases that, uh, you know, we talk about for, for location data is uh, from a marketing standpoint, right, uh, segmentation, um, understanding behaviors. Uh, I think, you know, my goal in this is to go beyond that to solve harder, uh, you know, harder challenges and continue to push what you can do with that data. Um, so a couple of things I think, uh, you know, you look at the cross uh, shopping kind of models where um, whether it's, uh, you know, like your CVS and Target kind of um, how do we create synergies amongst um, companies to produce something better, right? That's the better shopping experience. Um, instead of seeing that, you know, we notice that people are after they go to a cold, they go to PetSmart, right? So obviously there's, there's not getting the complete uh, shopping experience in one, one sitting and they have to go to multiple. How can you partner up to make that um, a better experience? And, you know, and, and you look at um, the evolution of, uh, of ballparks and stadiums. Stadiums, you know, uh, at one point in the past, and there's still a number of these that are still isolated little Stadiums, right? You go there, you tailgate, you go back, you tailgate until everybody's out, and then you're 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 out of there. Um, you know, you're seeing this uh, growth of destination uh, area. So, I know Atlanta has done this with the battery uh, um, and the Braves. Um, there's a number of new developments like that that are really creating a a shopping. Um, you know, you come, you eat, you stay, you shop, you 
you see a game. Um, and that's all around how do we create that experience. Uh, and so in planning those and understanding that behavior um, and how to optimize both the experience and, the, of course, the profit, um, people are looking at how we can um, use uh, the motion data of people to better um, design that. Awesome. Yeah, I know it's interesting you bring up that that example. I mean, I know uh, for, you know, obviously for, for those who, who've been following us for a while know that we have our retail local conference coming up uh, uh, in a few weeks, October 21, 22 in Atlanta. Um, and, you know, uh, for the retail tour component of the conference this year, we're going to the new Pont City Market uh, area, which is, is a similar kind of thing, right? Um, you know, trying to create this destination, trying to understand, uh, you know, traffic flow and, you know, kind of what people want and, and you know, what that experience needs to look like and, and how you optimize that. And a lot of that, you know, is, is technology and IoT and, you know, data, right? That, that drives kind of what you're building and what those experiences are. So that's, that's, that's super cool. Um, as you kind of look, uh, into the future, uh, of maybe not just your, your company and, and where you guys are going in terms of our product roadmap, but, uh, you know, as an industry, um, where do you see kind of like the, the current challenge, you know, that, that we face today, you know, obviously there's lots going on with GDPR and CCPA and, and rule changes and, and what that means for, for service providers, but you know, do you, do you, do you see a sort of a, you know, a rainbow at the end of this? Do you see something new, new opportunities emerging for players like you um, in the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah. I mean, the, the privacy concerns are obviously a, a, um, an issue that need to be addressed. Um, what I'm hopeful is that we can find a happy medium uh, because there really is a lot of value in this and I'll go to one, which I, I think is a, a really interesting use case. And in fact, there's another conference going on right now in Atlanta um, with respect to um, smart cities. Um, and one of the, uh, we, we work with, we do some work with Deloitte, for example. And one of the things they have is something called the Futurescape. Uh, and what they're trying to do is help cities plan better. Uh, so if you look at uh, city planning and all these metropolitan planning commissions, and, um, the models and the data that they've driven their city planning on are, are obsolete, right? So you're looking at uh, every four-year uh, manual surveys um, where you send out um, snail mail for somebody to fill in a survey, and then you plan your city based on, you know, one-tenth of one percent um, response, right? Um, just insufficient data, um, overmodeled um, and overfitted for that. Uh, so, the the data that you can you can see about movement of people and things now is is much more detailed, right? So you can actually um, what we've done with them is provide the ability for them to uh, simulate the human motion in a city, right? So whether it's it's taking um, and understanding the you know what's what's going into the city, what's coming out, that the full motion, um, and artificially then generate based on those models what would happen if you changed roads, right? So now you can really see what motion does to that, or if you need to move, for example, a stadium someplace else, what's that going to do? Um, so uh, this this kind of data just is way more conducive to more accurate planning. Um, and, you know, we all know traffic in the city 
is not going away. Um, and so we need to find more ways to model that. And clearly, none of the existing models support micromobility um, you know, in, in their planning, right? So how do you introduce that into into it? So I think there's a lot of opportunities in all, all that things around transportation. We do a lot of work in airline data, um, understanding um, the, the human behavior on which airlines they take from which airports to what, and, you know, all those segment analysis. Um, but uh, it's just, it's um, a very difficult problem that uh, airlines in particular have had a hard time understanding, you know, when, when people fly, where and why. Yeah, no, I, I, and, and I think that's fascinating because, you know, as an organization uh, that's been, you know, at this for 10 years now, uh, coming in October for us, um, you know, we've seen a shift, I would say, in the last two years within the member base overall. I think a lot of the guys that had built solutions um, kind of oriented to the marketing and advertising retail sectors um, are now coming to our members are now coming to us and saying, Hey, we've, we've kind of maxed out in some of those markets, you know, how, you know, can you help us identify, you know, opportunities, uh, in smart cities and government and healthcare and manufacturing mm -hmm. and in other industries that aren't, you know, the sort of marketing consumer facing, you know, uh, markets that, that you normally would think of. And on the flip side, I would say on the other part of the LBMA world, like the sort of bigger geospatial data kind of world, uh, guys like TomTom Tom and Here and Esri and Pitney Bowes and mm -hmm. some of those companies that we work with, they're actually trying to come the other way. They're, they're saying, look, you know, uh, you know, help us now figure out how we take what we know and bring it into the marketing and advertising world. So you have this kind of, we're seeing this kind of, you know, the two worlds come closer and closer together. Um, and, and we're, you know, we're trying to help navigate that a little bit. We're actually building a new conference next year to kind of just to, to serve that uh, that problem of, of bringing those two communities together. So, um, yeah, I think I think you're spot on with that. Um, I think I think uh, city planning uh, and optimization is a market that uh, is very um, you know ripe for for technology innovation. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. So, yeah, no, and you know I think that's. Uh and, and for me, as a technology uh, geek, you know, I'm I'm looking for those problems which you know haven't been solved yet. <laughs> so, so those are the more exciting ones, right? Where you you have to push the envelope, and um, it, whether it's combined different uh, data sets that traditionally were not mashed together to try to solve a business problem. Um, and there's new, you know, there's new challenges coming up uh, for businesses. You know, you look at restaurants today, and um, you know, a lot of them don't really understand how third-party delivery is affecting them. So how can you how can you use this kind of data to understand what the impact is? Right? Is 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 the uh, is the catchment growing um, because of the the ability for drivers to deliver to wherever? Um, are they having new competitors? All that kind of uh, analysis analysis can now sort of be um, be accomplished through this data. Very good. Well, uh, for our listeners and and uh, and, uh, and viewers, uh, we've been chatting with Kip Jones. He's the chief technology evangelist for for Skyhook. Kip, thank you so much uh, for coming and sharing a few minutes of your time and giving us some some insights into uh, into your company. And, and and welcome again to the officially to the LBMA family. We're we're so happy to have you. 
Well, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the chance to chat with you and the group, and uh, I look forward to learning a lot more from the from the rest of the the group. So, um, looking forward to the the meeting here in Atlanta in a couple of weeks, and I'll hopefully see you and and many others. Awesome. Thanks, Kip. Take care. All right, Kip. Thanks for coming on our show and uh, sharing a few minutes of your day and your insights in, into our world. Uh, we really appreciate it. We love the work that Skyhook's doing and uh, look forward to seeing you at Retail Logo in just a few weeks. Um, all right. So on to our Kip member Jones. news. <laughs> yeah. Member news. Kip Jones. Yeah. Um, so our first story this week, I'll kick this part off as usual, is our good friends at Gimbal, Matt Russo and company, uh, have released their new product. Uh, it seems like every week one of our you know companies like this is releasing a new platform. Um, and it's called Trends, so Gimbal's Trends. Uh, it's a location and foot traffic analytics platform uh, built on their um, independent uh, location data sets. Um, maybe a slightly different take than some of the others. I would say they're they're really. It sounds like they're really oriented around uh, analytics of, of the uh, behavioral patterns, and then kind of building that into. Uh, very defined segments. Um, so really focusing on uh, marketers, finance teams, municipal planners, real estate developers, um, you know, trying to provide uh, different kind of value propositions and reporting that's oriented around those specific um, job functions, I will say, uh, within those organizations. So that I think is slightly different than some of the things that we've seen out in the marketplace. Um, they, um, you know, they, uh, they also have a fair bit of, uh, I'll call them reports or um, uh, infographs potentially or things like that, that they're generating around uh, top brands uh, and retailers. Uh, so they're basically analyzing the data that they have around foot traffic and identifying uh, highlights and shifts in the marketplace um, around consumer preferences. And they're doing this by different categories. So what's happening in retail, what's happening in grocery, what's happening in QSR and other verticals um, and kind of putting out some regular uh, updates on, on, on those different vertical markets. Um, and then they're also surfacing what they call seasonal patterns uh, that impact well time and frequency of visitation. So uh, looking at things like you know, holiday traffic, Black Friday, probably things, all, all those kinds of things and how they are impacting the foot traffic. Um, and then relaying that information to to different vertical markets and and, and different uh, media segments. So, pretty straightforward stuff. Um, you know, I think a, a good um, encapsulation of, of a strong data set that uh, that Gimbal's already you know had for a long long time into a you know kind of a shift for them as a company, right? Because if you look at, at the history of that company from its origins in Qualcomm and hardware and beacons and all of that to you know, they still have beacons, they still have their own beacon proprietary platform and all of that. But to now really look at the data side of what they have and be able to look at the, the sort of the vast quantities of that and to package it up into something is, it is really a major shift for, for them as a company. So, um, and good for them to see kind of what, what they're sitting on top of and find ways to monetize it. Yeah, I like the name of the platform trends. And I think that's interesting, you know, um, you know, a lot of companies are kind of coming out the gate with like attribution or, um, you know, footfall and all of these different types of plays that are really just focused on 
um, who was served the media and then like what did they do um, from that point. But I think the trends goes a little bit beyond that. And so I really like the way that Gimbal's thinking about um, you know, the platform and like what they're, what they're actually selling to their clients. So I think that there's a lot that can be expanded upon from that. Um, so maybe we'll hear more from Matthew about that stuff. Yeah. And they're, they're a sponsor of the upcoming retail logo, uh, in Atlanta and we'll be there presenting some of this type of, uh, data. So we'll hear directly from them, um, shortly. And the other good thing about Gimbal is, as you and I got to experience uh, at our Seattle event back in the spring, uh, they have a really cool use case of their beacon technology with a company called Samaritan, uh, where they've got um, homeless people uh, on the streets, basically uh, what they, they call them beacon holders. They've issued beacons to them and then they have an app platform that enables uh, uh, folks to understand as they pass by these people who they are, how they became uh, in the situation that they're in, kind of what they're all about, and be able to make donations and things like that directly to the individual. So it's a really, really fascinating use case of location data and beacon technology. And, and Samaritan folks are also going to come and present that uh, to the Atlanta crowd in, in October. So, Yeah, I'm super excited about that. And I hope that you know the right people in the city here can hear what they're doing there in Seattle and um, you know potentially replicate it here um, in Atlanta because it's definitely a problem. And, a lot of big cities, but you know, obviously here in particular. And I actually just got an email from um, from uh, Samaritan the other day talking about how they were kind of um, using the data that they had in order to sort of um, re re engage with uh, their clients, which would be you know the homeless that have the beacons. And so, you know, they're offering like five and ten dollar rewards for those who come and check in. They do like a 30 day check-in where once a month you go check in sort of with like a, a counselor, just making sure like you're doing okay, you know, just kind of to talk, not anything too crazy. Um, and I love that. Um, I think it's a great balance of making sure that, you know, the, the homeless population have what they need and, um, you know, are treated like human beings and, and getting the help that they need if they want it. Um, but also just making sure that, you know, they're, that people are seeing them as people, right? Knowing their story, exactly. knowing who they are. So um, that was like one of my favorite things that we did at Retail Loco um, back in the spring. And I'm so excited that they're gonna share it here in my my city too. Yeah, awesome. All right, so um, as you mentioned earlier, we were gonna talk about sort of like the iOS 13 updates and what does that mean? What is the impact on location services and what's the impact directly on our industry? Um, and I think it's actually going to be pretty substantial in some cases because, you know, um, location data is like a big thing. People are buying it, selling it, repackaging it, uh, aggregating it left and right. And, and a lot of um, technology and, and trends are dependent upon it. Um, but, you know, there's so many different nuances like the quality of location data, the uh, capturing of it. Is it done in a compliant manner? And, you know, are we putting the consumers who are providing that location data at the forefront of what we're doing as, you know, developers or, um, you know, tech entrepreneurs? And 
as we build these businesses. So something that Apple, I think, always does a really good job about and um, is making sure that they are protecting their consumers and, and people who are using the iPhone. And so part of this new update are, are several different things that they've rolled out in terms of capturing location data from a mobile device. Um, so the always allow location option is kind of going away and now there's a few different options that will be um, replacing that. So one will be, um, another option will be keep only while using or allow once. So the keep only while while using will be like the foreground permission, right? So while you're using the app, the app has the permission to utilize your location or only allow once. So only allow once would be like, hey, I'm letting you use my location while I download this app and get started so you can see where I am or where I live, maybe like a next door application or something, right? Um, and then if you wanna get background permission for an app, an app's gonna have to continually ask for that. So automatically and periodically, um, you know, these apps are going to be able through the, I, the iOS apps will be able to um, upgrade in essence to where you can get that background permission. Um, and so it might be asking you like, hey, do you want to always allow this app to access your location? And at points in time, you can say yes. So it will be asking and prompting that. So I think that that's almost like a little bit of a, um, I don't know, it's kind of like a pat on the back to all the developers from Apple saying like, you know, we're still gonna encourage people to opt in and share their location even though they have the ability to not in the beginning. Um, so obviously the allow once is for a single session and then now there's this new feature which is actually really cool and it's a map prompt. So let's say that you have been sharing your background location with an app after a few days, you're going to get this display or this map of all the location points that this uh, app has captured of you. Um, so imagine that that's going to probably be a little bit um, alarming for some people maybe or maybe not. I don't know. So it'll be triggered after three consecutive days of use of uh, a background location from an app. Um, and then on the Bluetooth permissions, you'll have to have special permissions prompt when an app wants to access that the Bluetooth services. Um, so, you know, speaking of gimbal, somebody like that's going to have to have some special permissions. Um, you know, so something to think about uh, from a business perspective is, do I think that this is going to have a direct impact on many of the location sources and data that is available? I do, um, which is why I think it goes back to making sure you're working with credible and good providers, um, you know, that are doing things in the right way. And, you know, a question I think that you know, companies that will be asking is saying like, well, how can businesses not mess up this, this data collection or um, how can they, you know, not deter their opt-in rates? And really it comes down to make sure you're demonstrating value to the consumers on how you're using their location data um, or what are you giving to them in exchange for that? Um, so I think that, you know, that's one thing and also making sure that you're avoiding unnecessary prompts. Um, so I think between those two things, if businesses really take a hard look at, you know, why they need that location data, how they're using it and how they're providing value, uh, you know, I think that we can continue to keep everybody in the ecosystem happy. Uh, but I think that this is a good move. You know, Apple, I do think, does a good job of continually trying to protect their consumers um, across the board and across their devices. And this is just another example of it. And I think that, you know, developers are still going to have the ability to do the things that they want and, you know, maybe just not as fair game and, and open as an Android platform. But, um, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to say if it's like a win or a lose. I guess it just depends on what side you're on. 
but I think that it's progress and probably moving in the right direction. And, you know, Apple always is, is generating new updates and looking at things like this. So if it's a complete flop, I'm sure that they'll address it with the next update. Yeah, you know, so I'm with you. I think Apple is constantly trying to position itself, uh, you know, in comparison to Android as a company that is there for the consumer, that is, um, you know, somebody that um, is a little more trustworthy, a little more privacy uh, friendly, if you will, uh, all those kinds of things. I, I think this update is good. I think it's solid. I, I do think this will affect many companies in our ecosystem who are collecting data today, uh, maybe in some um, unsavory way, let's say. So I think, it, I think it could clean up a lot of things uh, in our industry, potentially. Um, I, I think you, you pointed out the map prompt um, view, which I, I love. I think it's really interesting for, I think if you're a consumer, to be able to see all the pings on a map of everywhere you've been in the last little while and then you know being asked if you want to keep doing that i think is interesting um to give the consumer that decision point however the one thing that you know i i i just don't have clarity on and i want to understand better from a developer point of view how much control does the developer have in um the messaging that comes out in that pop-up Right. So, you know, if it's Google Maps, so the, in the one example, it says Google Maps has been using your location in the background. Do you want this to continue this to allow this? Sorry. And then it says to get navigation, traffic and transit updates and see info about places near you. Choose always, uh, always allow. So that whole description of to get navigation, traffic and transit updates and all of that, is that customizable by the developer? Can the developer you know, to your point, I think consumers are going to be good with this if you can properly articulate the value proposition in exchange. But how much control does the developer have on, you know, what they can say in those boxes and, and how they can make their case, if you will, um, I think becomes really interesting. So, um, or, you know, or is that something that is a field that they customize or is it being pulled from somewhere else in terms of, you know, what the description of that app is or those kinds of things. So, um, I'm, I'm intrigued to know uh, how they, you know, how that part of it works. Um, I think the Bluetooth thing is really interesting as well. Um, I think that uh, this, this could actually affect even more companies than the location uh, piece, right? Because I think in today's world, like, you know, Bluetooth is typically on all the time on most devices. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, mine's always on. I never turn it off. It's really? always on. I mean, I, I, like mine's I, I always watch off. connected to my phone, so it's mm -hmm. always on. I, you know, um, you know, I hop in the car, Bluetooth is on uh, all the time because of hands-free. Um, so, it, you know, I, I do I want the car asking me on CarPlay every five seconds, you know, like every time I come back into the car, if it's okay? I, I don't know. No, I don't. So, like, to me, that that's a bit more problematic. Um, you know, if that's going to be a question that's asked of me as a user on a regular basis, especially in the car. Yeah, yeah. that's a very fair point. So Didn't even that. we'll see. Yeah. TBD. TBD. So there you go. Check it out. iOS 13. Lots of changes. All right. Final story. Uh, our friends at McDonald's have made yet another tech acquisition. 
so they've, they've been on a run lately. Uh, you might remember we talked about them acquiring a company called Plexure, uh, which is a mobile app uh, platform, uh, which has become the now global standard for the McDonald's mobile app uh, all over the place. Uh, then in April this year, we talked about an acquisition of a company called Dynamic Yield. Uh, and now uh, they've just announced that they're acquiring a company called Apprente. That's A-P-P-R-E-N-T-E. Um, they say this is about simplifying ordering and speed of service. Um, so these guys are an early uh, provider out of California in voice-based uh, technology. And I love this acquisition because I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I was talking to our mutual colleague, Karsten, from our German team recently, uh, who's uh, been sitting here in the office with me the last little while. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, sort of the power of voice and voice commerce, and we've talked about it a lot on this show. And one of the things that came up recently is we were talking about quick serve restaurants like McDonald's, and you go into these restaurants, and you've got these, like, like we just talked about with the WeChat store, you've got these screen kiosks, touchscreen kiosks, where you're ordering. Um, and you're not going up to the counter and actually ordering from a person anymore. You're, you're punching in your order on the screen and then you pay with a tap or in this, with WeChat, with facial, and then you get a little receipt. Uh, and then up on this, on the screen is your order number and they're preparing your order number and that's how, how it works. Um, but think about, you know, that process to me, that's still cumbersome, right? To go to a screen, punch things in and maybe I'm old. And I'd rather go and talk to somebody at the counter and, and order what I want and make sure they it's clear and, and, and they know what I want. Um, but voice commerce is a whole new element, right? Because it, I think it, it, it's seamless in, in terms of what it's, it's more natural uh, way to order as if I was going up and talking to the person uh, in, in that sense. And if you think about these touch screen things, like you got to clean them. Like they're dirty. People are touching them all the time. Right. And so if you can get rid of all of that, right. Um, it's like the days of the payphone, right. They used to have to have to send companies out to, to like wash and clean the payphone like every week. Right. And that's, what's going to happen with these touchscreen kiosks in my world. So from, from just from a sanitary perspective. So if you think about taking that out and instead, you know, there's something you just go up and speak to in the store or in the, in the drive-through, uh, it's a voice uh, Alexa, you know, type of experience, even at the drive-through or from your car or on the way or whatever, um, you know, and this kind of technology can power that. I think it makes it so much more convenient, so much more, you know, sanitary, so much, so much more, it, just easier. And so I love that they've gone after a voice company because I think it, it, it's the future. So that's all I got to say about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a ton to add. I do think that the voice is so important and I want to see more um, QSRs or um, like Instacarts, all of these types of like food ordering, Uber Eats, any, I want to see more of those types of companies leverage voice because, you know, when I'm doing those things, I'm typically in the car, on the go, I'm thinking about things that I need and I don't, I'm not trying to text and drive. I'm not trying to like look through Instacart and find what I want. Um, even like, I mean, I love the Chick-fil-A app. I think they do a great job with their mobile ordering and the processing and everything that they do. But, you know, I think that the voice piece of it could be so much easier. So, you know, even people who are driving to Chick-fil-A, like you don't want to encourage texting and driving or being a distracted driver. So mm -hmm. just having the ability to 
use voice to make an order and then something is reading it back to you to confirm that would be great. I think it's so much easier. It's so it's quicker um, and people are trying to multitask. So any way that you can, you can uh, facilitate that, I think from any of those businesses, whether it's restaurant, ordering, delivery, like all of those things, um, I think it just increases the opportunity. Um, and it also is going to increase your, you know, your average uh, daily consumer. Um, it's going to increase like your average cart size, all of those things, because there's a lot of times where I just get like a really quick, okay, I'm just going to get like the milk and bread or whatever I need from Instacart, even though there's a lot of other things I need. I just don't have time to go through and search for them and, you know, physically like put them in. So, um, I think McDonald's is on to something and, um, you know, with all these acquisitions, other companies that are within that same industry need to pay attention. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, they've created at McDonald's, they've created a new, um, division. Uh, it's called the, uh, MCD tech labs, uh, group. Um, so it's under McDonald's global technology team. And, uh, so Apprente will be one of the founding members of that new labs group. Um, I guess along with dynamic yield and others that they've been acquiring. So I, I think it's, it's really cool that like a brand like this has, you know, decided that they're going kind of all in on tech uh, at that level and starting to not just acquire companies, but kind of rolling them all together into, into their own tech, um, you know, sort of labs development, testing, innovation group. So I think that's really interesting and super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's kind of all I wanted to cover on the show this week. We've had uh, three good industry news stories, three member news stories. Um, and um yeah guest. and a good guest in, in kip uh, and a giant yawn from asif a giant yawn for me yeah sorry man it's it was it was a long week last week i'm still recovering <gasps> I you <know>? hear you. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah we'll be back. what's that so we'll be back we will be back next week with yet another show um if you have story ideas if you have um feedback for us uh and you're watching the video uh part uh version of this show contact information is on the screen at the end of the show uh if you're not uh you can reach out to us on we're easily found on the uh on the various social media platforms out there i also just quickly want to mention uh we have a bunch of new member companies that have joined the lbma in the last few weeks coming out of our japanese uh, uh tokyo chapter uh, so there's a company called Agoop uh, Corp. Uh, so welcome uh, to them. Also, um, a company called Adente um, and um, uh, Jort as well. So uh, a bunch of new companies all coming out of uh, Japan. Oh, and Geologic as well. So uh, there's been a, a whole raft of new companies coming out of uh, our operations there. So the, the team over there is doing amazing work. Um, and uh, we're excited to see in a, in a few weeks too what uh, what will happen at the new Japanese uh, conference. But uh, lots going on around the world, folks. LBMA location data—it's happening everywhere. <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week with 4:33. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. <laughs>